for the bulk of his prime, a consensus top 10 player in the league. Pierce maybe had one year where that was true. And LeBron had a lot to do with a lot of mistakes. But if I had to point to one thing, true. just the playoff. No, I would say the injury. Yes. When you start to separate it, people don't like him. They don't like his style. They don't like his demeanor. It seems like he's always angry. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard sits with Skip and Shannon to explain why LeBron's injury caused the Lakers to miss the playoffs this season. Go ahead. I'm going to start with you because they're already on to I know, something. I, I know. Should the injury be a legit excuse for LeBron? Chris. I'll just say I'm, I'm intrigued by LeBron's pattern. Huh. Do we know what that is? Month to month, a different thing? I want to know what that is to lead them. But okay. what I'll say is this. Excuse is a strong word. Thank you. But if I had to say, why are the Lakers not in the playoffs? What's the one reason that their season is over? There's a lot. And LeBron had a lot to do with a lot of mistakes. But if I had to point to one thing, the just the playoffs. No, I would say the injury. Yes. If he's healthy, if he doesn't miss those 17 straight games and 18 overall with the injury, or come back. Now, I guess that's up for debate. How hurt was he when he still came back? Right. He put up great numbers, but couldn't, couldn't win. If you take uh, the way that injury, I think all that's different. I'm not necessarily saying they're the fourth seed, but they're in the playoffs. And I think even Skip, I think, agrees with that. So by that definition, I would say, yeah, it's a legitimate reason. I'd rather use that I, word than excuse. I offered an explanation. Right, yeah, it's an explanation. Now, it doesn't excuse a lot of the things LeBron did wrong. He didn't close out a lot of games early. early, and then obviously when he came back from injury. I don't think his leadership was as good as it's been in the past. I agree. I think his whatever his involvement was in the Anthony Davis fiasco, <laughs> that got out of control, and he yep. had some involvement or non-involvement. Yeah, whatever the case, it was... He's in there somewhere, okay? How how much, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't... I, but the injuries, you cannot discount. I think if you sit back and look at this season fairly, you're going to have to, one, point to LeBron's injury, and two, the other injuries. Rondo. He yeah. brought up, and I think, obviously, look, he brought it up conveniently, but the fact, it is true that he, Kuzma, Lonzo... Mm -hmm. And Brandon Ingram only yeah. played 23 games together. And in those 23, they were 15 and 8. Project that, project that out over 82, Skip. 23 mm. games, I mean. Project yeah. that over 82, it, it, Skip. It's mm, so my turn? Now you, yeah, I'm going to let you. You know what, Skip? Because I want you to, if, if you're willing to project that out, I'll let you go. Go ahead and project that out. But go ahead, Skip. Take it away. Thank you for giving me the floor. Uh -huh. That's my turn. And I am sorry. I am calling big BS on LeBron James for planning yet another injury excuse with all those billions of blind witnesses out there who will just blindly accept it and say, he was hurt, he was hurt. He doesn't have enough help and he was hurt. Why doesn't he just man up one time, just man up and just say, 
we had a bad year, and I will bounce back better than ever next year because he just well might. Because that'd be a lie. That's you want to be a lie? Oh, why do you have to revise history? Because he revised history dramatically, just the way he tried to revise history after they got swept by Golden State, and he goes to the post-game media session wearing a soft cast on his right yeah. hand. I like the cast. Stop it. That wasn't a good look. Stop I, it, I, Drama I, I, King. That. That's Drama the King. Only thing you do, call him Drama Queen, but I'm going to just the, stay with the, the king. The only thing, we, he didn't divulge how he did it. They said he did it against the black boy. Okay. He hit JR, so I okay. didn't dog it. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. <laughs> I just have to reiterate <clears throat> that he told Allie Clifton about what happened on December 25th at Golden State. He's saying, I'm on a routine fast break. Drummond kind of gets his hand on the ball. I lose a little bit, and I tear my groin, quote, unquote. I tear my groin. And then, I'm sorry, but the next day, he sees the 3D picture, the soft tissue picture of his groin. The doctors look at it. The team doctors, I don't know who looked at it. Probably a bunch of doctors looked at it and said, LeBron, you have a grade two strain of your groin, but you're going to be okay. Let's give it three to six weeks. Somewhere in there, maybe three weeks, given your history, you'll be back. So he tweets, dodged a bullet with a big exclamation point. Sheesh, praying hands to the almighty above. Almighty. Hashtag. Back in no time. If he had torn his groin and they said, LeBron, you have a torn groin, there's no way he is tweeting that because you can't you can't tweet out did, of did, a torn groin. Didn't want, didn't want if you, you tear your groin, it's it's possible you're done for the year. But, but he didn't want grades of tear. But here's the thing, Skip. Yeah. Skip, look at this here. I tore it. Mm. That's a tear, right, right, right? Right, right, right. That's a tear, right? Right, right, right. That's a tear, Skip. I don't like that noise. That's a tear, Skip. You see them saying they're great. They're level so, to this yeah. thing, Skip. Here we have a situation that smacks of what happened to number two in San Antonio last year because three weeks later on January 16th, a Wednesday, the Lakers post a release, a release that says straight from the lake, official, LeBron James evaluated by our team medical staff and physicians today and has been cleared to return to practice commencing next week. Does that mean he had a torn groin? I think not. I think the Lakers just flat out said he's got a strained groin and it looks like it's on the mend. I think is they... That, is that not what they... They just called out LeBron James. And how did his agent, Rich Remember, Paul, immediately respond? He called you and everybody else. Well, I was told... I, I said it on this show that... Yep. LeBron, I don't know what it was, five weeks in yeah. or four weeks, yeah. whatever. This was And if three. it were the playoffs, he'd yeah. be able to play. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. If he was okay, if it's the playoffs, so. he'd be ready to play. And instead, Rich Paul just goes crazy. And he he, he probably wasn't quite as profane with you because he would respect, you know, that no, I'm, I'm not gonna do it to Chris, <laughs> but but to Sam Amink of the Athletic, he says, This is Chris Paul. I mean it's Rich Paul. Uh, quote, we don't give a and he just used the whole word, you know what? Nobody thinks or says. We're not on nobody else's timeline. Yeah, so, yeah. obviously, they were angry that the Lakers had posted this, had released that they he They were angry that the Lakers tried to put them under the gun by releasing them and forcing them to come back. Because, remember, the Lakers were in a tailspin, and they tried to put the pressure on him, knowing like LeBron, because, remember, in the interview, he said as he saw the lead start mm -hmm. to dissipate in the Golden State game, he's like, I need to go. And the trainer's like, well, hold on, bro. Let, mm -hmm. we, yeah. we hadn't been, we hadn't okay. really diagnosed you yet. So the Lakers were trying to appeal mm. to his emotion. Okay. Well, so what does the great, the Hall of Fame Shannon Sharp always tell me? What has he told me for about three years? <laughs> I don't know. The golden rule is if you put on that uniform and you step on that field or that court, you have no excuses. 
You are playing football or basketball. Uh, so I, I, want okay. you, I want you to hold that. You too, now. So when he says he needs Lowe's management, yeah. I don't want to hear nothing. Why isn't he playing? Did you I don't not say him. that? Was that not your goal? That's exactly what I said. So LeBron and athletes moving forward in the NBA, if you can't give me 100%, okay. so, Chris Broussard said it's okay to sit it down. Pre-torn groin, quote, unquote. Stop doing hashtags. We know what you're saying. Quote, unquote. There's <laughs> not a lot of those. I'm not doing <laughs> hashtags. LeBron was averaging 35 minutes a game, 27, 8, and 7. Yes! Nice numbers. Then he comes back and he goes up to 36 minutes a game, and he goes up to 28, 9, and 10. That's post, quote, unquote, torn Stop groin. It. Stop it, LeBron. Just they, stop it. Like, you're fine. And, and what did your eye test tell you? You know and I know. If you have a torn groin and you're trying to rush it back, you're going to be limpy. You're going to be gimpy. You're going to protect that one leg. You're going to wince. You're going to grimace. I saw none of the above. Chris, I saw full-scale LeBron Chris, James. Chris, you, All I, out I LeBron ask you James. I one time. I was wondering, you tell me this. Yeah. When was the last time you saw an all-time great player get his shot blocked at the end of the game with the palm by a guy we've never heard of. I've seen it many times when he shies from the free throw line. He just doesn't want to shoot the free no, throw. No, no, no. He got caught. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to get the foul. No, no, I don't no, want to no, have to shoot no, these no, free no. throws. I said get his shot blocked yep. with the palm. Mm-hmm. I didn't say take a shot and miss it. I was the I one said, who pointed that out to you the next day. I mean, and I, I told you why. I think where we saw it mostly was his defense. Because that yes. groin is going to affect your lateral. Yes, yes, Skip Bayless. His defense wasn't. It, look, it's not LeBron James' defense. you see him exploding and, tomahawk? Every it? once yes. in a while he did. But, yes. Just let me ask, because I, I feel a lot of what you say, Skip, but let me ask you this question. If LeBron doesn't get hurt on Christmas Day, let's say he just plays his regular 78 games, whatever, are they in the playoffs? Okay, here's the flashpoint that, that I forget if you brought it up, but... Once you tear the team apart over Anthony Davis, all bets are off. You can average 30, 20, and 20. You can, you can go Russell Westbrook, and you've lost those kids that you say you lead so beautifully. You so know, that's your biggest reason. Okay. Well, it just the tore them apart. I still think if he'd come back and average those numbers, and again, they, they lost some key pieces. Lonzo was a huge loss yeah. on the defensive end. Right. He just was. So, so again. Ingram's numbers were good. Yeah. Ingram played well after the Anthony so, Davis. So did Kuzma. Yeah. What I'll give you is this, and and we know there's always drama with LeBron. Even if he doesn't get hurt on Christmas Day, and again, I stand by, they would have been in the playoffs. I agree. But the question is this, would would this Anthony Davis thing still have become an issue? Because LeBron, every year in Cleveland, there was some drama. And so even if they were rolling along, maybe the fourth, fifth seed, whatever, come February, Mm -hmm. would LeBron still Mm -hmm. have started calling for Anthony Davis. And if he did that, that, that wouldn't have been a good look. Next, Nets All-Star D'Angelo Russell talks with Fox Sports producer Conrad Company talking about the Nets' playoffs after clinching a playoff spot last night. All right, man. So we're here with uh, Brooklyn Nets guard D'Angelo Russell, who's here with Old Spice today. So what can I call you? Is it D-Loading? Is it D-Low? Is it 3-Angelo? Is it one? Like, what's your favorite nickname you've gotten so far? Man, I've heard it all. I've heard it all, honestly, but um, I, I mean, I go by D'Lo. I enjoy my, I enjoy my, 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 my name that my mother gave me, D'Angelo. But I, I enjoy D'Lo's too, for short. So you can call, you can call, you can go with D'Lo. It's fine. Let's move on to your NBA game. So in your last game, you dropped a career high forty-four points. To go along with that, you dropped twenty-seven of them in the fourth, all while leading your team back from a franchise record twenty-eight points deficit against the Kings. When did you know that you were taking over that game and bringing home that dub? 
Man, honestly, the, the NBA is so crazy. Like every game, if you watch, if you, if you guys watch League Pass, you'll see, man, every the games that they don't show on TV are usually usually mostly the craziest ones. Oh, they absolutely are, yeah. Um, but but uh, it it was it kind of just happened, you know. Like coach gave me the opportunity to to go out and, and and make plays and put our put our guys in the best position to to do what they do. And um, some of the shots start falling for us in the second half that weren't falling for us in the first. Uh, we were getting the stops that we needed, and um, the basketball guys just kind of blessed us with that one, man. Like I said, you couldn't. You couldn't, you couldn't paint a better picture for an ending of, of, a, of a crazy game like that. No, you're right. The basketball guys, man, when they're on your side, they're on your side. That's for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, so your go-to celebration is the three fingers on the veins. I know a lot of people out there, they see that. They don't know what it is quite yet. I'm sure they'll see it in the playoffs. I must sure. say it's one of the coldest celebrations in the league. For a casual NBA fan, what does that mean? I see your veins. Uh, you, I think that's... Um, term of speech as far as playing with no no care you know you're playing with just straight fearless anxiety almost you know um like I said my dad's told me that uh growing up you know right before I would leave the car and walk into my my middle school high school game whatever it may be my church league games like play play with ice play like you you know play fearless and um I just kind of took it and ran with it and it's it's come back around uh, more than I expected in, in in my professional job. I'm in my professional career. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, it's one of the coldest celebrations in the league. I appreciate So that. congratulations on that. How excited are you to have an opportunity to take this team to the playoffs for the first time in three years? Very excited. Very excited. I, I think it's great for the organization. Um, I think it's great for each individual on our team. Great, it's great for the coaching staff, the city, um, the city of New York in general. I think it's great for that. In Brooklyn, I, I think Brooklyn deserves it. You know, when you're when you're in a, a sports um, a sports city like New York, and you got the little brother of um, of the city, you know, kind of making a lot of noise. That I, I think that's is well deserved. You know, and um, people are starting to notice us, and um, we just want to you know keep representing Brooklyn the, the best way we can and representing our organization the best way we can. I think the playoffs will be, you know, be that much more exciting. Oh, they absolutely will be. Now, you went to high school with Joel Embiid for a year and Ben Simmons uh, down in Monteverde, right? Yeah, Monteverde, yeah. All right. Now, did you see them becoming the all-star level players that they are now? And what does it mean to you to potentially go up against these guys in the playoffs? For sure. I mean, to be honest, like, I knew if Ben, I always say if Ben Simmons could have left out of high school, he would be... He would be doing the same thing he, he he's destined to be doing. Um, Joel's always been a freak of nature, you know, for him to put that much weight on and that strength on and, and dominate the game the way he is. That's man, it's crazy. Um, I'm more surprised about my story, you know, honestly, just being able to play with those guys and then for us to all be, you know, at the all star level together, you know, laughing about when we were in high school, just, you know, kind of joking about these things. Um, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, so um, with our success, I've I've, I've definitely uh, took the time to acknowledge it, and, and, and I've been in the the wow standpoint for a long time. And just this is crazy, you know, just this surreal moment for us. Yeah, certainly. Now talking about the All Star Game, you were an All Star this year for the first time, and potentially you're going to be winner of the NBA's Most Improved Player. What really clicked this season to unleash that potential that you've always had? Honestly, I think I, you know. In, in the summertime, I, I I hung around some killers. I trained around some killers, and I just kind of got that, you know, mental um, mental preparation that I needed, you know, to to prepare myself going into the next season. 
and I trusted my craft. I knew how much work I put in into my craft and how much I was gonna um I, I how much I, I prioritized myself into coming out this year trying to prove, you know, prove my point and, and, and prove that, you know, I, I'm meant to be in this league. And uh my head was down the whole time. Like I said, I kinda just looked up and all this all this was kinda right here at my desk. Who were some of those killers you were working out with this summer, if I may ask? I mean, I'm, you guys know I'm friends with Carl Towns and Devin Booker. Um, those those are some of the younger guys in the league that have, you know, paved the way and, and, and been dominating the league for a long time. Um, but I've also talked, you know, to Chris Paul, James Harden, um, LeBron, Rondo, guys of that caliber, you know, just giving me the, you know, the the the, the veteran type leadership that I kind of needed to, like I said, just to prepare for these situations. Yeah. So with you guys potentially making the playoffs, who do you think is the most underrated player on the Nets currently right now? The most underrated player? Shoot, we got the most underrated team. Uh, <laughs> to get the players, no, but I, I can't. I can't really single anybody out like that. We we got a guy, We got a group of guys that are that are special, man. Um, everybody's bought into what Coach Kenny Atkinson and, and Sean Marks and the organization has has offered. And um, there's been nothing but complete success for each individual. You know, um, a lot of it goes unnoticed. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of you guys talk about me and my success, and a few other guys, but it's so many guys on our team that 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 doesn't that don't get the recognition that they deserve. I, for example, our rookie, um, Marianne Cruz. Um, I, w- I would definitely mention him as as one of the most surprises for me that a lot of people haven't really got to, you know, put an eye on or 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 watch and pay attention to. Team guy, man. I love to hear it. So you're actually one of the unique players where you've got to play in the top two markets in America. What's been the biggest difference between playing in L.A. and playing in New York? The weather. The weather. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, that's so similar. That's so similar of cities, Um, big cities, big market, you know, big media outlets, you know. But when it comes down to it, it's just basketball. And the only thing I can really dial it down to is the weather, you know, the weather, the traffic in New York. You know, traffic's, you know, bumper to bumper in New York is, you know, sideline to sideline. It's just bigger space, but it, it's the same thing. Uh, I can't really put a put a tell on what's different or whatnot besides the weather, to be honest. No, I hear you. I know you talked earlier about being the little brother team in uh, New York. There's been a lot of talk about the other team in New York landing big name free agents. Why should those same agents or those free agents come to look and play for the Nets instead of the Knicks so you guys can become the big brother of the city? I honestly can truly say that we're not trying to become the big brother. Uh, we enjoy being, I, I, we enjoy being in this, you know, this limelight. You know, we're getting the success that we got. I feel like we've done it. We did it a different way. You know, we got a good group of guys that, you know, kind of been through the, been through the blender a little bit and, and had to work to get to this point. So we know we we kind of realized how to do it together. Um, no offense to any free agent or whatnot that that may possibly come. But when you when you're dealing with free agents, you 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 never know what to expect. Um, they always you know they always have the choice to to control their destiny and where they want to go and when they want to go. We got a bunch of guys that that we could lock in and and be around for for a good good period of time and and do this together for a good group of, yeah. good, good period of time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now you're partnered with Old Spice. You want to take a minute to tell these people about some of the amazing products they have to offer? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you can see behind me the. Um, it's it's the fresher the fresher group right there. You see you see the moisturizer, you see the the deodorants, the the um the body washes, all that. But um more more intriguing is the um the the ingredients, the real ingredients in there. 
the, the gives give men the platform to to take care of their skin as well. Um, now I, I I have a lot of friends that don't really take time to you know get their get their 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 scents and their fragrances right. You know to smell good for the people. But um, yeah, no, no, Old Spice has been great. You know I use the I use the product. Um, you know we travel. We they have the, the carry on side. They do all that to um, help prepare prepare your skin for all natural ingredients well man if old spice is helping you drop 44 points again in 27 <laughs> in the fourth quarter i think i'm all about it d'angelo oh, yeah. i really appreciate your time today man and good luck the rest of the season i can't wait to watch you on the playoffs appreciate you guys man thank you now nick and cc break down the d wade versus paul pierce debate hey, what do you make of pierce's claim man i watch people every day of the week say dumb stuff on tv and paul pierce just puts his name right in there like when you start comparing yourself to players you open yourself up to be criticized and to be wrong. And in this one, he just compared himself to the wrong guy. In real time, when he was doing the show, if he could back back on it, he didn't have to insert himself in there. This had nothing to do with him. But he inserted himself into, oh man, if I would have, if I had Shaq, if I had, he had forgot his own past. Well, they did trade for KG for you. Yeah. And Ray Allen, they did get those. You guys were the original big Three. So I, I watch TV all day. I do 15 hours of TV. I hear people say dumb stuff every single day. Paul Pierce, welcome to the club. Yeah, and, and well, and Paul Pierce been in that club, the saying dumb stuff on TV club. But this is delusional. The first, I mean, it's just, it's not just the eye test. It's not just the numbers that, that you laid out. It's Wade was for the bulk of his prime, a consensus top 10 player in the league. Pierce maybe had one year where that was true. I mean, how do we judge top 10 players? You go by top 10 MVP voting. You go by first or second All-NBA, first or second team All-NBA selection. Just look at it. Just look at what D. Wade had. Seven top 10 MVP finishes to Pierce's one. Five first or second teams to Pierce's one. Super high-level scoring years. D. Wade's got three. Paul Pierce has zero. Nobody believes this. This is not, it's not like this, oh, the old barbershop debate, Wilt or Bill Russell, you know what I mean, the, the, the magic Isaiah Thomas, there's, there's, there's no debate here. There's no argument, and I just, it, it, is, it is kind of par for the course for Paul Pierce overrating within his era where he is, and for not understanding that when he said, oh, give me prime Shaq, well, Wade didn't have prime Shaq, Wade had very good Shaq. But the year they won their first title, the title without LeBron C, the title that I know you were at a bunch of those games, the second leading scorer in the finals for Dwayne Wade's Heat was former Celtic Antoine Walker, a guy that Paul Pierce had for a long time and could never make anything work with as far as high-level winning. Like, this is, this is not a close discussion, and nobody thinks it is. Why do you think Paul Pierce thinks it is? Why do you think Paul Pierce thinks he was a better player than Dwayne Wade or would have been a better player had he had the same weapons that Almost Dwayne Wade every had? great player I ever met, all of them think they're better than what they are, myself included. So every player that I've been they all thought they were better thought that their highlights were better, thought that their stats were better. He just verbalized it on television. And and Pierce also, he has, it's made very clear since his career ended, he has a level of, of insecurity about where he is historically, about how, that he, he thinks the public does not understand how good he was. You remember, he was upset that he was going to have to share the jersey retirement night with Isaiah Thomas. There's a lot of these little moments where... Yeah, I would have been upset about that too. Because Isaiah and what he means to basketball for the Celtics is totally different. 
You got enough nights, you can separate that. That wasn't Paul Pierce's fault. This is my night. I'm not going to share it with some other guy. With what? Now let's look back on it. What does Isaiah mean as far as Celtics history? Zip, zero. And what Paul did there, bringing the lure back to the Celtics, that was special. Now, Paul was a great player. And just because you compare yourself to another player and the argument seems lopsided, let's not take anything away from him. He had a remarkable career. And in, if you're going to do something for me one last night, he shouldn't have to share that with another player. Well, okay, so that's the so side issue from the bigger issue here. But I just, I've seen him enough on television, whether he's talking about LeBron, whether he's talking about other guys he went up against, the, this rivalry with Kobe that I, it didn't never really existed, even though they played each other twice in the finals, didn't exist anywhere but in his brain. Like, he's a future Hall of Famer, he's a finals MVP, and he, he, that, that should be enough. But Paul Pierce asked to do this on TV. It didn't get sprung on him. It, before, I, before the show, he said, let's do this. I think I'm better. Okay, man. Like, you're, the, you're one of one in one NBA history one. that thinks you're better. Following Kevin Love breaks down Channing Fry's retirement, then Channing Fry gives his take on leaving basketball. I feel like being in, uh, just seeing Channing coming out for that starting lineup. Uh, it was great. Um, you know, I was saying the last time I, I had started the game was when uh, – you know, I came off my uh, concussion, and, and Richard had started for me in Game Four of the Finals. So I was like, "All right, Chen, you can, you can go ahead and take the take the starting spot." But no, it was awesome, and uh, you know, the idea was, I think, the organization, everybody involved, uh, was hoping this will this will be a game that he really remembers, and uh, that the fans will remember too, because he, uh, you know, he just encompasses all the right things, and um, you know, he's. You know, whether it's the spirit of the game, our culture, and just everything that Channing is about on and off the floor. He, uh, you know, he helped influence uh, the Cavs in a very big way, especially when he first got on the team in 2016. So, you know, we love him, uh, and this this was about him. There are a lot of fun moments throughout the game. I'm just recognizing what he's meant to this team. You wearing his jersey when you were subbing in. Uh, but is there one nugget that he's left you with? You've talked about what he's meant to the team, but specifically with you. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff uh, off the floor that, um, you know, both of our stories will uh, acknowledge over time. But on the floor, I would just say I always go back to when he first got here that we were, uh, you know, a one or two seed. We we're a team that was very likely going to go out of the finals uh, or go to the finals out of the East and have a chance to compete for a championship. But he said, you know, kind of looked around our locker room and thought, we're just not having enough fun. So he's always he's always found a way to keep it light while also uh, you know knowing that there's a bigger picture so I think he he saw that we weren't having enough fun and he brought uh, himself just being chanting like he spent enough time around around him I said I saw the interview up up on the uh, the scoreboard that uh, he is just very infectious it's, it's infectious to be around him it's fun to be around him but he also knows when to lock in so I think he's he's found a way to, to have great pa uh, balance on and off the floor in his career so I bit the bullet today. You know, I've, I've, uh, I, he's one of the guys that, uh, you know, had taught me to sacrifice. So I had to sacrifice and wearing a uh, Arizona jersey today. So yeah, it was a little tough, but uh, you know, we we beat Arizona twice, so it's not, it's okay. How long have you had that jersey? Uh, less than 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's as tiring as the game. Just as heavy. <laughs> uh, here, I'll, I'll do it. Um, you know, I think, I'll be honest, I didn't, uh, 
I, I'll be honest. I don't think I deserve it. I think it's just because, you know, everything I try to play about and be about is just winning and playing and being a good teammate. And, um, you know, uh, the big thing about myself and Cleveland is I've had some of the best and worst times here. And I think when you have such highs and such lows, you create like a love, you know, like no good relationship is ever good if it's just flat. Um, and so mine here is uh, forever. And I think... Um, you know, for me and the fans and just uh, for them just appreciating me and letting me be me, you know. I'm kind of quirky. I'm like, you know, a cult classic. And so, uh, you know, I think it, it gives, it inspires me to not only love the game more and in different ways, but, um, you know, it's um, also like it's, it's humbling because, you know, I don't average 30 points. You know, I'm not an all-star. Um, but, you know, to be able to get love like that is... is um, you know, it's a great reflection on the city and our fans and uh, this organization has gone above and beyond, you know, treating my family and friends uh, at the highest level. And I think for me, um, I just couldn't be more thankful and uh, appreciative. Kevin said he I'm not going to cry. I have actually like beer in my throat. <laughs> Sorry. It's still there. I shouldn't have thrown that can out. Kevin said he had to sacrifice by wearing the Arizona jersey. Sacrifice? You see, he had a different type of glow to him. It was almost like uh, the infinity gauntlet of jerseys. Uh, <laughs> tight reference. Tight reference. Uh, no, 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 dude. I think these guys um, have been awesome, man. I, they, they, uh, I'm going to miss them. And Excuse me. Beer burp. Um, we miss these relationships the most. Um, you know, basketball is is a game, and I think if you don't appreciate who you're playing with, then why even play? And I think for me, um, I'm glad I'm going out with these knuckleheads, and I'm glad I'm doing it in, in Cleveland. So I got one more left, so. What did you think about the more metaphorical uh, sketch there? At the uh, the I, I don't know why Richard is uh, draped around me like that, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, but, no, it's a great picture. It's awesome. Uh, again, it's just being appreciative, and thank you, whoever drew that. I didn't see it yet. Um, it's a crazy picture. It's definitely going up on my wall. Jenny, what has the state of Cleveland meant to you? Um, I mean, everything, you know. I've uh, won a championship here. I've had a kid here. I didn't have a kid here, but I had a, you know, I watched a kid be birthed here. That happens to be mine. Uh, you know, and then... You Glad know, to clarify. Right, right. And then, um, you know, just having great teammates. And then on the other end, both my parents died while I was here, actually at Richard's house. Um, and so having just, the, like I said, those highs and lows, um, and then going to the finals, losing in the finals, getting traded, coming back, um, these injuries this year. So I think with all these highs and lows, I've seen the best of Cleveland, um, and I've seen the best of the fans, and I think that's why I'm, you know, endearing to them. And, um, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I love our fans. You know, I, I legit love our fans, and I think their loyalty and their passion for us as, as players and as individuals has been um, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that type of consistency throughout the years on other teams. Finally, NBA analyst Sarah Cusack joins Nick and Cece to explain the importance of Russell Westbrook's triple-double record. Yes. Without a doubt, I think that he is. And we talk so much about triple-doubles and what he's done, which is a historic feat, and we did throughout the course of him doing it for the first season. Now it's an... Um, again for these last two seasons I, I think more than that more than the number we focus so much of, about the numbers or the percentages rush is shooting or how it is that he's impacting game he to me when you sit courtside 
and watch him play. Watch how relentless that he is, what he's been able to do throughout the course of his career. And especially in a place like Oklahoma City, I give him credit for staying with that organization, with that franchise throughout the duration of his career and what he's done for that place. And so, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, Maybe the triple-doubles are something that we're changing our perception of what that means given the pace of play, given the numbers that are being put up right now. But I think, to me, it transcends triple-doubles. It transcends just those type of numbers and, and the type of player and impact that he's had within this league and within that organization is something that, that he should really be credited so for. So many of the things we claim to miss about today's athlete, to yearn for about the athletes of yesteryear, loyalty, relentlessness, showing up to work every single yep. night. He checks all those boxes, and yet we pick apart the things in his game he can't do. He's not a good shooter. This year he's become a bad free throw shooter out of nowhere, seemingly after being in the mid-80s, his MVP year, he's now in the mid-60s. Like, so, so, so we find the things that he's not great at. He's not LeBron, and he's not Harden, and he's not Giannis, and he's not Steph, so he sucks. Listen, there's seven guys in the league that everyone agrees are the best seven players in basketball, and then there's a group of guys, Russ, Kyrie, Dame, Paul George, in that second tier of superstar, and he's the only one that we, when we talk about him, it is so often on the negatives. There are things Damian Lillard doesn't do well. There's things Paul George doesn't do well, things Kyrie doesn't do well, yet none of them get half the scrutiny Russell Westbrook does. And the reason why, we like those other guys. People don't like Russ. When you start to separate it, people don't like him. They don't like his style. They don't like his demeanor. It seems like he's always angry. So I'm not trying to justify with people, but I'm looking at it in this era of basketball where we have LeBron playing, KD playing, Steph playing, and they're playing a high level. Harden. Harden's game is unappreciated. So to me, all the guys who have not won championships, because I'm going to tell you what people are in love with if you're a champion. And if you are winning in the last two years since KD left and you also get a backlash from KD, he forced KD to leave. People like KD more than they like Russ. But in two seasons without, they've only won three playoff wins, not series, three games that they have won the last two years since KD left. So, yes, during the regular season, he would have helped himself if he had some individual success in the postseason. He got some points this year when Paul George decides to sign with them and how he defers to Paul George for at least the first half of the season. So I would just say in this era where we have those great players and we got great point guard play, Damian Lillard, people like him more. They don't criticize his game. They like him more than they like Russ. Steph Curry and Kyrie, both of them are champions. They don't get criticized as much. So Russ got some numbers, but he hadn't won. Hadn't won since KD left, and him being angry, his overall demeanor, I'm sure it puts some people off. Like, man, you're good. Like, why are you so upset and angry? Well, but that anger is what drives him. That He is the player that he is because that is what motivates him to but, play but the way he being does. being a player and what kind of person you are, if you, can't trans, if you can't transition, I don't think people see the transition. I, I will say, though, KD, we pointed so often, I like the point that you bring up about people not liking him. We had pointed to, well, Kevin Durant doesn't want to play with him. Guys don't want to play with him. Guys don't enjoy playing with him. Every teammate that he has had, aside from Kevin Durant, will rave about mm -hmm. playing with Russell Westbrook. Well, Paul they George stayed in Oklahoma it City. And it decided to play that, that with That narrative Russell got Westbrook. set when we also misunderstood who Kevin Durant was. Yeah. 
Everyone, think about who we thought Kevin Durant was before he went to Golden State. Just this affable, likable, easygoing guy. And then we now we see who Kevin Durant will tell Chris Broussard, no, 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 this is the real me. That was the act back then. And it's like, okay, Kevin Durant is a little mercurial, maybe a little hard to figure out. And Kevin Durant, when he if he leaves Golden State this summer, nobody's going to be like, oh, that's an indictment on Steph. Uh, he, could, he wanted. He didn't want to play with Steph. So I just think he, you're you're right. See that he uh, that Russ has a natural irritability that extends to the postgame press conference. Right. That extends. He he has his hair up a lot. He doesn't let you in. You we talked about in the 2020 game after the game when he talked about Nipsey Hussle. You one of the things you liked was he actually let you in. You know what I mean? He wasn't as guarded. You got to see an idea of who he was, and I'm sure that could help his likability. But when we're talking about these guys as athletes, about how good they are, your likability shouldn't play into it so much. That, that plays, it has down. a lot to do with it, though. The reason why people like Jordan more than they like LeBron is because they, like, ah, you know something, I like Mike a little bit more. When you forget away from the basketball, anytime you are picking your favorite athlete, Man, do I like that guy has something to do with it. It's hard, people, it's hard to impossible for people to judge people and be like, ah, I'm just going to leave his skills, his old personality, I'm not going to make. No, it's all part of it. Magic Johnson, there's a reason why he's one of the top five all. It's not because of his basketball skills. It's because his smile and right. people but loved Magic Johnson. So your personality, it gets involved. If Jerry Rice had a more outgoing personality when he played, he would be the greatest football player that people had ever seen. But, man, he wasn't communicating other people. People did not know them. And they couldn't touch him. Joe Montana, Joe Montana, likable, smiling, interviewed. In the basketball world, Kareem. Kareem's the guy that his legacy takes the biggest hit because he wasn't liked by the media during his But year. to me, that's the, that's the answer to the question. Underappreciated. Do we not appreciate him because mm -hmm. of the way we feel about his personality or, or his mm -hmm. disposition when he's dealing with a lot of the media? Does that all change if they suddenly start winning? Like, oh. will we change the way we feel about Russ? I mean, this team, clearly, he's the heartbeat of the team. They live and die by Russ. If they start winning or they win eight playoff series finally, do It would change? do a 180 because we're about winning. Like, we're about winning championships. And he's in an era where other guys, besides Damian Lillard, Kyrie has won. Steph, a multiple winner. Chris Paul, we don't talk about him. He's getting a little older, but he hadn't won. So, yes, Harden, amazing numbers, 36 points, but hadn't won. So you are put in a different category in the NBA when you win. And we cannot think that Russ is not in that category and winning wouldn't cure some of those things. And I don't think he should be in that category. I, okay. I don't think – I think there is that – you said the tears of players, and I do think the narrative would change if he were to win. But, but he also – you look at this Oklahoma City team, he still has that opportunity to do that. You can't tell me that Houston wouldn't be excited or, or not be excited Terrified. to play a team like yes. Oklahoma City. Denver wouldn't be mm -hmm. excited to play a team like Oklahoma right. City. So that is still on the and, table for And I us. would feel better – about this if it was across the board guys that hadn't won were treated like Russ but Embiid Giannis you mentioned Harden people don't like Harden's style so some people criticize him there's a lot of guys that haven't won that we elevate there's Anthony Davis like there's a lot of guys who have not won that we elevate you to a only level. elevate people why 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 are you elevate 
Why? Joel Embiid? We like him. Oh, okay. All right. And Giannis, because <laughs> yeah. we like him. Yeah. So Anthony either, Davis. He doesn't say anything. E we like either him. Either win or be likable. And if you don't, if you're not checking either box, then we're going to tear you down. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.